Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we pair two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving us the chance to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm Dave Gurney, and I'm here with... Carlos Cooper. And always last, Joe Hillier. <laughs> and Joe... That's true. Why are you always I last? don't know. You know, it's just, we know he's going to... He, he holds it best. down. He's like the anchor, you know, like, so we want to... But, uh, Joe, you, you not just anchor this time, you're also supplying us with some liquid. Here. I did. I was in College Station. I always, you know, when you're in a city that you're not usually in, that's far away from your... A few hours away from your home, you want to go check out the beer selection... To see what might be well there well that you don't have in your own mm-hmm. distribution channel. Mm-hmm. So this, um, the the fiance asked me to get this one when we were looking through the uh, big grocery store beer aisle, and that's because it was our first time, her and I, to try one of the an emerging trend. Ready or not, guys, <laughs> there's an emerging trend in beer, and it's called the rosé. Ale, mm-hmm. and we bought a sixer, brought it home. We have already enjoyed four. I brought the last two mm-hmm. to share with you Ooh. because beer in a movie is not scared of, but rather embraces the notion of beer trends and wants to check out everything that's uh, going on in the beer community. So, a ro- this is a 21st, cin- uh, let me start over, 21st Amendment Brewery. They are out of Fresno, California. I'm sorry, San Leandro, California. And it's their Spark Ale, sparkling rose ale with apple, cranberry, peach, and cherry. I'm reading that right off the can, guys. 5.5 yeah. ABV. And like I said, the rose ale is a, an emerging trend. I'm seeing a lot of hype on it on my social medias. Yeah, didn't uh, Carbach do one? I think they might I have. They did. Not, There's yeah. been a couple that have come through yeah. our uh, But this is the first one I'm... I mean, at I've least never had straight one. up. I, I do think, actually, I had Firestone Walker has a wild ale that they call Breta Rosé. That's, mm. uh, you know, a wild beer. It uses Brettanomyces in the fermentation. Your favorite word to say on this podcast. I just love it. And uh, and, and so I, I had that at some point. But this is the first one I think that's a more straight-ahead take on trying to combine elements of wine yeah. with the beer and calling it a rosé. It's not very rose in color. I get a little like little tint of red maybe if I really give it some if you, you know. squint. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you've got the notion that in the wine I'm definitely getting a grape uh, yeah. wine. Yeah, it's yeah. strong. And the guy, and, and in the wine world the rosé is kind of making an emergence and I believe that uh, all of those stalwart uh, entrepreneurial, looking for the next trend to really bring the crowd into my brewery. I've, I've embraced this one, and I, I, the tradi- the um, reputation that it has is that it is a nice alternative to a real beer. If you've got someone in your group that wants something a little more accessible and a little less beery, malty, yeah, malty. Beery. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I or hoppy for that matter. I don't think it's it's. It doesn't, um, apparently they try to dial back a little bit of what we would typically think of mm-hmm. as those na- natural kind of beer flavors right. and instead kind of bring in more of a fruity, um, grapey wine Right, character. and the, yeah. the pointy heads say that this is not a, you know, it's not a style in the book of styles, but it is uh, more of a hybrid, a fruit beer, and yeah. uh, as long as the fermentable agent is 49% or less, you know, those others others yeah, think, yeah, then right. it, it classifies in the beer category so yeah. enjoy and let's yeah. uh dive into uh the movie of the week right which is the uh film that is probably by the time this comes out maybe still in some theaters ready or not 
but it was released in uh, August of 2019. And this film is... Um, I don't know. How would you describe it, guys? It's it's, it's sort of a hybrid of sorts uh, in in the sense that it, it has some elements of horror, but it's really more of a dark comedy. Yeah, it's like a black comedy, yeah. horror, thriller right. kind of film. But, I mean, really the basic premise of it is, you know, a kind of not average in terms of, you know, looks or intelligence or anything, but uh, from a socioeconomic perspective, average girl is marrying into this... Mega uh, wealthy. Exorbitantly wealthy family. Right. Uh, only on her wedding night to discover that she... Because they the family made their fortune uh, making board games. Right. Uh, has to play a game as part of her induction into the family. Right. Like a uh, which on your wedding night, if you were married into a game family, may not raise your eyebrows too much. These are game freaks. They yeah. love games. They and, made their money on games. Let's and, go play a game. And rich right. people are kind of strange. They so are. Like, Absolutely. You know, okay, fine. We, we like, are. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But, you know, and then so she has to play this game of hide and seek. There's uh, shock and awe, gasps amongst everybody. And she, you know, thinks it's like a normal thing. And like, you know, isn't taking it very seriously, only to very quickly discover that they are uh, seeking her out to to kill her. Yeah, and let's not give away the very end ending, the the reason why it's all happening quite yet. But uh, that she is told that if she can survive and, you know, if she can survive until sun up. If she can go without being found is how it's pitched her. Until sunrise she wins. And then uh, someone dies as they're trying to kill her and she realizes that she's playing a much different game than that. It's a more serious game than she had uh, originally expected. And, I mean, you know, and it's it's hinted pretty early on in the film, and it also is in the trailer. Oh, the trailer. Um, that yeah. it's something they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to somebody about this movie, and I was trying to convince them that it was going to be one of, uh, you know, the great pieces of cinema of 2019. <laughs> and they were like, it looks so stupid. Like, well, you know, like how, if they're this family that, you know, hunts down and kills people, how come none of them can work a crossbow or whatever? Um, which is very well dealt with. I mean, it makes sense in the context of the film. Because sure. why in the trailer you see them like fuck up a bunch you know because right. you know even in the trailer it tips you off that it's a comedy and that these people are very inept yeah. and you that know that the maid might get killed instead of the bride yeah and not really that capable of the task that they mm-hmm. are embarking upon yeah and uh yeah i mean i walked out of the movie with no complaints Okay. It's a fucking good, uh-huh. super fun movie. Annie McDowell is good in it. Mm-hmm. Adam Brody's great in it. The girl who plays the main Sam- actress. Samra or Samara? Weaving. Yeah. And it was a whole film news cycle about how this is not Margot Robbie. Because they're no, right, they, they're very similar. similar. Yeah. But she's actually she's, the niece of Hugo Weaving. Okay, who, I, I did not know that. from the Matrix. I didn't. Yeah. Know that. I thought and, that yeah. that might be the case. Yeah. Um, Agent Smith. That there was some relation, at least not that she was the niece, because that's like wildly specific to a sure, guest. Sure, right. Or but but that you know how many weaving families yeah. are there in Australia yeah. that would be producing actors and yeah. And she, she's really good in the film. You really like her and like sympathize with her, and she's very interesting and compelling, uh, performance wise. Um, and there was something else that I was going to say that now I am drawing a blank on. Yeah. I, uh, oh, uh, she definitely is a Margot Robbie type. Yeah, like, sure. Very right. clearly. Y- young, beautiful, blonde actress. Kind of big eyes. Big eyes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I can see that uh, confusion 
arising for for many viewers, uh, especially if you were just seeing the trailer, maybe. And, and, and with smaller movies like this, I feel like a lot of times you can see the people in it and be like, okay, so they wrote it thinking about Channing Tatum, but right. couldn't get Channing Tatum, so they got this mm-hmm. guy that kind of is Channing Tatum ish, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, or yeah. some variation of that. Or that, on the that guy actor. who was in, uh, oh God, what was the the oh shit. Damn it. The guy who looked like uh, Tom Hardy, who was in uh, Upgrade. Yes. yes. Upgrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you he remember? was very Tom hardy Yeah. I mean, I remember everybody yeah, it was I talked super... to who saw that film was like, <laughs> was that Tom Hardy? Was that wasn't Tom Hardy. super blatant. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Again, another like indie kind of horror yeah. thriller movie right. that didn't have the budget for Tom Hardy. Right. Um, yeah. I, I went into this with pretty... I guess, sort of level expectations. I mean, I I thought the trailer looked funny. I was hoping that it would deliver some dark laughs, and it did. It did? Yeah, I think that uh, it it did a pretty good job with with what it was doing, and we can get into some particulars on on some of those themes that I think it it was sort of playing with in this film in terms of class and relationships and... Power of wealth. um, Power of wealth, all that. Um, but but there were a couple things that kind of disappointed me about it. David Gurney? Yeah. Well, this is odd. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's I'm go. Ready. These are going to be good. I can as, tell. As someone who found no flaws with the film, I'm really... Oh, no. Whoa, no flaws? No flaws. Okay. I'm really interested to hear people's okay. grievances and complaints I have one so that I can flaw, address them. I want to hear David. Okay, so so this was a relatively short Actually, film. I take that back. I have one complaint. Right? It was, uh, right, it was 95 minutes. Okay, so like... Perfect length. Yeah, I think... <sighs> I could have done with a little more preface to what was going on. I think plunging me into the wedding day and and this family and they're all odd. I kind of wanted to understand a little bit more why this character would even be with this other character. Why these these people would be getting married. I never got a sense of chemistry from them. I never got a sense that there was anything. They're not on screen together very often. No, they aren't. And, but even in that opening scene where he's like trying to kind of... I don't know, give her an out there for a moment. Mm-hmm. It, like, it felt, I don't know. That would have happened prior to that day. W- that, well, yes, right. That right. moment would have happened prior to that day. I mean, and maybe that's why they couldn't write it, because how do you deal with that? How do you get us to that moment? I think you have to plunge them right into the wedding, because yeah. the action is the honeymoon. Cause, uh, yeah. you know. so I, I, there was something about the character motivation there, because the idea is, okay, so there, he, she's marrying into this wealthy family, that's Carlos my complaint. said, and you have this guy who's sort of... Who loves her. Yeah, and later on you find out he's kind of the—I don't want to say black sheep, but he—he's the wayward son. He's the one who's left the family and Mm -hmm. kind of not been connected to the family as much. Mm -hmm. They want him to come back, Mm -hmm. Um, and he seems a little bit leery of his own family in certain ways for good reason. And that is because he saw this ritual occur uh, when he was a child, child. and you know, then you have to fully buy into it or not. There is, and we left out a key part. I'm sorry, David, to interrupt. Mm. We left out a key part of the game night. It's not a definitely that you will be hunted. No, you draw there, a card. You draw a card, and that card could be checkers, and then you just play checkers. But like normal. there if is a joker, there is a wild card, and that is ready or not. Yeah. I'm hide sorry. Hide and seek. It's not called hide and seek because there was a really terrible Robert De Niro movie called Hide and Seek about 15 years ago, so I couldn't use the name. Okay. So right? if so. you draw the hide and seek card, which there is a probability that you will not, then you will uh, not. There's a high probability. Well, there's a high because not. they've had many. Right, that's, that's what I meant to say. That's part of the reason why they're so bad with the weapons yeah, is because they never it's do been this. like 30 years yeah. since anybody's right. drawn it. When when the groom 
walked in on a, a murder. Right. And then yeah. is told, you know, basically is told, in order to have this wealth, in order to have this power, in order to have access to anything that you could want in life, there is a thing, and that it. is that there could, at a wedding... In our family, you might have to kill somebody. Now, we made, th- that we made was, an agreement. That was my other thing. Um, the, the other hang-up that I had with it is with the game, the, the, the sort of game aspect of it, it seemed like when she drew the card, when mm-hmm. she drew it and, and she had to do hide-and-seek, uh-huh. that lets them know they have to kill her yeah. by the end of the night, by, mm-hmm. by the time dawn comes. Why do they not then just strap her down and kill her there because a uh, game must be played no why they never say they never talk about oh they need to be sought for this long or there's like they, they either needed to tell me why they're seeking this person why they have to do that because it seemed like the main thing was they just needed to kill her i thought that the uh, i thought that it was because there were rituals in place by the person that put this whole thing into place of games right. and drawing, and then it's a game. Uh-huh. And that everything we were watching were ancient artifacts. You know, mm-hmm. the cards that they draw from, so, the box okay. that they think, hide them I, in. I think that it's because... Uh, I have two flaws with this movie. I think that it's because the great-grandfather was like an aspiring game maker. But right. It's this guy that invests in his games. Right. And Mr. LaBelle. Mr. LaBelle. And because of that, there has to be an aspect of the origin the game of the, that. There has uh, to be the game Of that part. blood pact or yeah. whatever that they made uh-huh. in order for it to the ritual to be considered okay. complete. I did not consider that. I didn't either. It is a very good point. Um, I, th- I would say that that's probably the best i could do i have an answer um, it doesn't like bother me that much though because that's the whole premise of the film right. i just would have loved it, i would have loved like at least a line or two where it was like oh but we have to let her at least hide we need yeah. to you know like yeah. in it order has to, to be fulfill, a proper game of in order to fulfill the well, but, but they say that there are rules though like they have to use uh the, those ancient those they have to use the well but, archaic then, but then weapons. i mean that and there is some and i like some of the comedy around that is like well, yeah, but he did it because he started doing this in the eighteen hundred. You know, yeah. He, if he had cameras, he would have used them for right. sure. And it, I mean, but that's also like a like a critique on on tradition and ritual. That yeah, is yeah. involved with a lot of organized. No, I like that. I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, and yeah. it's funny now. As far as your grievances about jumping into the wedding and then the guy himself, I think a jumping into the wedding is an, an incredibly efficient use of storytelling. And it gets us in, it gets us interested, and there's not a lot of nonsense building up to it because really the movie is about the game of hide-and-seek that they're playing. And I also liked that we don't know everything straight up front. Like, we're start, we're, we're piecing it together mm-hmm. as the story's going along, which, yeah. ke- which kept me interested in it. If I knew absolutely everything and I was just waiting to see who was going to die and how, that would have been boring. Yeah. Uh, and I also think that, as Joe mentioned earlier, this guy sees... You know, his brother play an active role in the murder of this dude in this game of hide and seek and things like, wow, my family's fucked up. I need to get away from it. Tries to live or tries to pass as just like a normal person in the real world. Mm-hmm. Meets this girl and then, you know. He must participate her. for reasons we haven't discussed yet. Yeah. And, and then he, the reason that he waits until the wedding night is because two reasons. The first and main reason is is that he thinks that it's very unlikely that she's going to draw hide-and-seek. Right. And then, in her favor. and then, two, the closer it gets, the more anxious he becomes about it. Like, fuck, what if she does? What if she does? What's going to happen? And so then he starts panicking and starts trying to give her this out. 
But the reason he doesn't say anything is because the odds are low she's going to do that. And so if he were to play against the odds and say, hey, there's a chance you're going to draw this hide-and-seek card and we're all going to try to murder you, mm-hmm. she'd be out. Right. Like, right away. Why are you just, taking me into right. this situation? Yeah, she would be like, all right, fuck you, dude. Like, right. I'm out of here. Right. And right. he thinks that it's in his best interest and is the most statistically probable situation mm-hmm. that they're going to go into it. She's going to draw a normal card and everything's going to be fine and he yeah. doesn't have to tell her but about I, it. I just think, I, I think you could have had a five-minute sequence at the beginning and I get it, what you're saying. I mean, there's part of maybe, me... Maybe during the credits. There's part of me... <laughs> the, the opening yeah, credits. The, oh, like, like, the like end a, it, it could have been It could have been the him, like, or her proposing to him, essentially, because it's seems like okay. th- that what led them to the marriage was her really Pushing, wanting that right. and, you know she wanted a family and i get that i think you could have brought that across in a scene that would have allowed me to understand their coupledom right. a little bit better than what i do with the, because i didn't feel great chemistry with those actors in that opening sequence that kind of sets things up like there was part of me that right from the get-go was like does he really? Do they want to get married? I don't. I don't know if they're really that yeah. interested in each other. I don't know. It seemed like it. it just seemed a little That's weird. Like eventually, once that became less of an issue and it was really just their hunting the, the her, game, yeah. I totally enjoyed it. I did too. You Fuck know, those was, kids, though, man. Uh, I, say it again. Fuck those kids. The the uh, one who tried to get her in the barn. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that kid. <laughs> uh, well, he's a family member, and my, my biggest complaint is. And I explained it away pretty quickly once I actually thought about it. So it's really not a complaint. But when I walked out of the theater, the only thing I had negative to say about it was that her husband just seemingly like auto, like flips the switch and goes like 180 degrees for almost no particular reason. And we can't we and we can't go further unless we talk about that twist. Well, let's talk about it. We're, we're a spoiler let's, podcast. Let's, let's, yeah, get, it, let's get in there. Go ahead. I'm I'm confused about it, the, well, the satanic the, the, aspect. The, yeah, it? exactly. Okay. There, there's a deal. There's a satanic aspect. Yeah. And what happens at dawn if the new is that they'll, groom they'll or die. bride is not killed is that right. they explode in an explosion of blood. Well, th- we right. don't know what's going to happen, but we know that they are going to die. And oh, I cut to the wealth. chase. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it yes, uh, buried the lead there a little bit. They do all spontaneously combust, but I th- only but, after a slight delay, which oh, is a slight funny. delay, yeah. which is yeah. funny. Uh, yeah. Which I also have some things to say about the delay part of it uh, and my experience viewing it. But when I thought about that after the theater, I was like, after leaving the theater, and I was like, man, he just like flipped the switch, flipped, and all of a sudden he's like a monster after yeah. being, you know, very like empathetic and trying to help her and all this stuff. And then it occurred to me that, like, okay, you walk in, see your mother's face bludgeoned yeah. into the floor yeah. at your recent wife's hands. Right. And at that point, it's got to occur to you, we're not getting out of this. Yeah, you know, yeah. like there's no way that we can stay married and like have a, have a relationship after she just brutally right. beat my mother to death, and right. after I put her in the situation where she's going to be hunted down and killed. But according, and so then at that point, the only thing he can do is it's in his best interest that okay, well, fuck. Now that my family's the only people that I have, right? And I have, so I have to try to help them do this. Otherwise, I'm going to be out on my ass and have absolutely nothing—no wife, no family, no money, anything. Yeah. And so at that point, he's got to be like, "All right, fuck it." I guess. We're I didn't mind the turn. My question is this: He's trying to help her live. Mm-hmm. What happens if she lives? 
Well, exactly what we saw. He dies. Yeah, but he thinks but he's that it's hoping, nonsense. He's hoping that that, right? I mean, many of them were kind of doubting that. Yeah, oh, he, he, he thought the whole thing was bullshit. There's a lot of doubt by well, again, it's many like, members of the family. I do. I love that aspect of it. There was this pact with the devil, LaBelle, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's such essentially a, the devil. Number this, one complaint, easy out bullshit pact with well, the devil. But, but again, but it was it. done But it was done generations ago. So they weren't present for it. They never did. House of the Devil, was that what it's called? The Ty West movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it had a similar ending. Yeah. That, um, you know, th- so it's it's kind of receded into family lore. And, you know, obviously they're keeping up with it and they're doing some weird things because of it. They're sacrificing goats on a regular basis, yeah. apparently. Um, it is a goat farm for yeah. sacrifice. But, um, you know, it, there is this kind of element where it's like, okay, yeah, but, did, you know, was great granddad really all with it? Like, yeah. did, did he just, like, have, like, this weird... We've been doing this forever, but what happens if we don't? For yeah. real, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, what happens if we break tradition? Well, is that a, really going to be a problem? And that's a and that's a very interesting social commentary that, I mean, especially in today's political climate, that there's a lot of people that have certain, you know, somewhat prejudicial political beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's like, On both sides of the aisle, to be fair. Yeah. It, well, yeah. Uh, but all that, across the spectrum. But that's like, plenty. oh, well, this, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way we have to continue to do it. Right. Like, we've always had the right to bear arms. It doesn't matter that the deadliness oh, of God. those arms has drastically escalated. <laughs> hey, if we didn't have the have right, to, the right bear to bear arms, we couldn't have a movie like this. Yeah. Well, but... <laughs> But regardless, and so, you know, there's those kinds of, you know, things that come up and whatnot. And to go back to the ending part, I thought it was really funny when it ended and nothing happens for a second. Uh, I thought, oh, I was like, oh, this is really funny. This is like a lampooning of organized religion and superstition. Yeah. And all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah. oh, it really is just all nonsense. And you're just doing it because you're scared of what will happen if you don't. Right. But then it does happen. Yes, yes, and yes. I'm just like, all right, this is just funny now. Yeah. Like, and. I also think that the movie is a, a very um, is a very Marxist movie at its core, <laughs> uh, and that the big commentary is that the upper echelon of society, the ruling class that has all of the wealth, are only there because they're willing to exploit, degrade, and destroy those that they deem to be underneath them sure. in order to maintain their status. Right, yeah. which especially in today's you know economic climate i think is a very poignant point to make and yeah. it was also done in a very fun way yeah uh, and i thought it was a fantastic movie Do you know what my number one problem with the movie is is that i and i how, tell me how we solve it because i don't think you can the marketing Ready. gave away every gave away too much wouldn't it have been interesting if know. you had been surprised by by the game if you had found out when she did that this is the turn and this is the twist and unless you have big stars in there to get asses in seats or a big director in there to get asses yeah. in the seats and it and like a Tarantino kind of situation we know it's about the Manson murders but then it's not like, like yeah. we'll find out what it's about I, when we actually get into the theater to see it and Tarantino and Brad Pitt I'm sorry yeah Brad Pitt yeah. and a, Leonardo will get us there, but with a Andy McDowell being the biggest name or Adam Brody being the biggest name, that's not going to really draw people, and the director's not going to draw people. I wish I hadn't known what was going on. There's no way to market this movie without telling you. You can't solve that problem. And honestly, I thought the whole whole satanic thing was enough of a twist. Yeah, we didn't know that. Once that started coming, that I was like, okay, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. but I understand what you're saying. I mean, it, 
it's a film that I mean, like I was but saying, the, it plunges us into it so early on. Like if you had that opening sequence that you know here another uh, you, you need another argument for, then you could have made a trailer about young couple in love, getting married, the anxiety of seeing a family for the or yeah. meeting a family for the first time. That might have been a way to market the film, but but again, it but didn't the bother people, me. But then the people that go see it are going to be expecting something different, and then they're going to get something totally not what they were there for right which is going to lead to a lot of like negative reactions and that's whatnot. true and the best thing about this movie is that it knows exactly what it is it knows exactly what it wants to do and it executes it perfectly and it's just so much fucking fun in the process yeah and i think that i think you're right that the satanic turn is a good one and i think that the trailer leaves enough open-endedness because you know they do say like we have to do this like before dawn otherwise you know we're all screwed or whatever right that, that's kind of hinted at in the trailer but it doesn't tell you why right and you're not so you're not really sure why that's going to happen and so that's a big part of like what you're watching it for is like so why are they doing all this like what's the point you know yeah uh, which eventually you get to and that does unlike some portion of the film we discussed last week uh has a social commentary that it actually follows through on and delivers this yeah. one being you know about classism and not you know homophobia like in it or right. whatever and um and it's just the it's a it's a popcorn movie that has enough depth to not be forgettable but not too much depth that all of the fun gets lost no oh, yeah it was know? fine it's a kill and, movie and and we like kills What's your favorite kill in this movie? Not, not we like kills, but no, American society. society likes kills. John Wick, the John Wick no, series. But, but, but oh, favorite my favorite kill, kill in, in the movie? I got to tell you, let me think about it while, but I will say this. The most, the, the, the visceral reaction that I got was when she fell into the... Uh, Go pit, the, yeah. the pit yeah, of same. old bodies same. and old. Ugh. It was done really, really well. You could smell it, you could feel it. It was yeah. just disgusting and, and, and horrible. A, and then, yeah. and then the telegraphed notion that she had been, she had, yep. she had gotten stigmated. She had gotten a what was shot it? through the hand, shot through the hand. And then the only way she could get out of that pit because the ladder began to crumble <laughs> yeah. and the, right, the, right. Was, there was a nail Oof. sticking out. And she had to just put her. The nail through that hole and pull it out. Yeah. That was Ooh. that was uh, guttural and, and yeah, that was yeah. that was pretty intense. I agree. Well, I don't. What was your? Do you do you have one in mind? Yeah. Let, my, me, let me think. My favorite kill is when that terrible aunt explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I knew what the ride. I knew what the ride was going to be. I really liked that character. I did too. Um, from the, the mo you know, first moment she's on the screen, a character that you love to hate. Yeah. yeah. But then explain then, who she is. But actually had a backstory yeah. in this because she was the one who had the last. Last uh, partner, you know, yeah. husband who Killed. who drew the card, and we see this. There is a little preface sequence at the beginning where we see the hunt of the hide and seek game that took place, whatever it was, thirty years before, when uh, when when the guy who's getting married now was very young, and and he's sort of hiding out. But it was her husband mm -hmm. who who was being hunted, and so. You know, you get a little bit of a flashback later on in the film where, you know, like, she at that moment was uncertain. Mm. She at that moment was feeling like, do we really have to go through with this? But then once they did, sort of just had to go in full force. You know, like, yeah. had to, okay, so, all right, I'm, you know, they, they killed off my husband. Yep. I'm part of this family. Yep. I have to be I here. enjoy the and memes. so she becomes so. the most zealous of them all yeah. in that. And so that I thought which that is, that was which really... Which is what would have happened to yeah, yeah, the yeah. husband in this scenario, most likely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, the whole time, they're like, he's supposed to be the leader of the family. Adam Brody's a drunk. Right. Uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Which, of course, if you're Adam Brody, you're going to end up a drunk. Like, yeah. that's fucked up what happened to that kid, you know? 
Or like, you, no, you're you're talking about about Daniel, the one that like yeah. helped kill his aunt's right. husband is yeah. like the reason that they like found him when they did. Yes. Instead of, and then to like reflect yeah. on that as an older person, be like, fuck, like I killed that dude. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, that would fuck you up. Right. And the questioning. I mean, I thought it really was like you say. I mean, I think it's a. F- if you can go into the dark places, it goes. It is a fun film. Yeah. It it has a lot of laughs in it. The dialogue is well written. I think there's some great lines throughout it. The a lot per- of great character the actors doing great characters. Yeah. The guy I had the it, dad. It's kind of funny. Yeah, the dad's good. I had just seen and Andy um, McDowell. I got a crush on her and always have. Yeah. Well, and, I get it. And you She's love her. Beautiful. And you love her daughter old. now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and her dirty feet. Margaret, <laughs> Margaret Qualley. Oh, yeah. from Once Upon a Time? Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. the Dirty Feet one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dating Pete Davidson now. Oh, wow. Oh, that's not going to end well for Move her. Move over, Arianda. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> but but I was going to say... It's the Gossip Corner. <laughs> the movie, Mar- movie. Mark O'Brien, the guy who plays the husband, the... The, um, the really uh, dumb one? Alex. Alex is the character's name. The, the one who's getting married. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, right? I, I thought you meant the husband of... Um, the sister who's the, like oh, doing the, cocaine the, the whole time. The stocky guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah the kind no, of I, I don't know that one. But Mark O'Brien, I had just seen in um, a series, <laughs> clueless. a limited series on, uh, I think it was Showtime. That's uh, City on a Hill, set in Boston. Anyway, he plays a really good character in that. I mean, he he does a really good job uh-huh. portraying the character. So I had just seen this kind of, oh, this guy's really good. And then I saw him in this. It was pretty nice to. To see uh, him him pop up again, in something else. I think he has a, a good uh, career ahead of him. Yeah, he he was in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, I which unfortunately we didn't get a yeah, chance to. Yeah, we skipped that one to see. But um, but, it, but yeah, I think there's a lot of up and comers in here. With you know, I wish I knew how to pronounce her name, but Samra Samara, uh, and it's got to be Samara. And, yeah. That yeah, she's great. I really, I really. You know, her. I, I, th- I think, I think we're seeing some people who are gonna sort of pop and become bigger stars here in the near future, and just a lot of really nicely done sort of set pieces throughout it with with them. I mean, I love that scene with her in the kitchen and the and the butler coming after her and the yeah, pot of tea butler, and all that. Yeah, no. Oh, I want to talk asshole. about the butler for a second. I thought yeah. he was a great character yeah. and yeah. Um, uh, uh, added a good element because his way of life is over if this whole thing is A, true, and B, not successful. Right, right. So, yeah, it, it's really so, nice. So, it sounds like unanimously we enjoyed the movie. A few flaws, maybe, yeah, here I and mean, there. I, like, my hang-ups went away pretty quickly. Yeah. And once it got into the actual yeah. chase of the film, I was enjoying it. And, and how do you make a sequel? <laughs> I don't think you do, but it, maybe you do. I don't know. Hopefully but it, not. But yeah. you could certainly go off, because clearly it's, it's hinted family. that, well, it's hinted that their family is, right, I mean, it's it's expanded. I mean, we're talking about a great-grandfather, so there's likely some offshoot of the family that exists, because they talk about a fire that consumed another part of the family. No, you, not a, a different family. Okay. But, so there are other a families. wealthy family. Okay, there are other families that have made bargains as yeah. well. It seems so, like the movie... Uh, suggest that that's how you achieve exorbitant wealth. Right, right, yeah. So, th- so there you go. You could have a sequel that doesn't. Obviously, it wouldn't deal with any of these characters. Right. Yeah. You know, that uh, that would take it in another place. But I do love the class commentary that goes on here. I think what Carlos was saying earlier, it really appealed to me that way, without sort of hitting you over the head and making you like this is a film that's going to tell you about income inequality and other. You know. It was. It, it it had those things in there, and I think it did it in a nice way that was also very And I appreciate that last shot of her covered in blood, sitting on the porch. She found herself a cigarette while the, f- the first responders get yeah, to the house that's right. on fire. Yeah. And what does she say? 
What did she say? In-laws. Yeah, right. Yes. right. Yeah, right. Well, that's and that's the other thing. And it, and and also works as a film that kind of talks about relationships and family ties and who it is that you're like most aligned with. And again, your spouse is maybe supposed to be the one closest to you, right. but ultimately they're going to have loyalties outside, you know, whether that be to their parents, their siblings, th- these other people in the family. And, th- and that certainly comes out in the way that his loyalties kind of shift as the film goes on. Yeah. And that's, a, and that's another thing I forgot to mention when he realizes that his relationship with his wife is very, very much over. His brother has also just died mm-hmm. and he's like, fuck man right the power of uh, the power of a movie that has no uh we talked about it in the last episode um source material yeah written for the screen to my knowledge was there a novel or something this was based on so written written for the screen one-off film god we need more and more and more of those that's right i mean we, we shouldn't uh yeah we shouldn't skip over that you're right that this is one of those films where you're going to go and you're going to get something. Now, that's not to say there aren't films that do something similar, but it is an original story, and it's mm-hmm. one that is uh, brought to the screen. And it's got me looking forward to Knives Out. I feel like there's uh, some just in the trailers, too. some similar. Right. Just... Also, this movie made a substantial amount of money. It was produced for under $10 million. It's made like thirty five, yeah, a... and it's got an 87% of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. If you take the right, if you take the right date, it'd be a good date film. What was the... RT rating? 37? Mm-hmm. 87. 87. Okay. What's the rating on this beer? Uh, well, I don't know, but I, I, looking at the can, uh-huh. it's the first beer can that I can remember looking at. It says contains sulfites, and that's because we've got grapes as some of the fermenting agent here. Right. Rosé Ale, uh, what's, I don't know if it's going to be a flash in the pan kind of trend in the beer world or not, but it's certainly making a wave. What did you guys think? It's our not our first trip to California, but our first trip to 21st Amendment Brewery with their Spark Ale, Sparkling Rosé Ale. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I, I, I think I kinda, it's... I kind of do, too. I think it is a nice, light, sort of easy sipper. It's got... It's definitely got a wine quality. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, as I sip on it... Me drinking it as more of a regular beer drinker and, and not somebody who drinks a lot of rosé or a lot of sparkling wines, right. that it strikes me as something that comes across more as a sparkling wine than it does a beer. It's got more of a fruit-forward kind of element to it. Obviously, there's the grapiness, but they also have apples in there. I'm definitely mm-hmm. getting the apple. Apple, cranberry, it's got a nice, peach, and cherry. got a nice dry finish. I don't get a lot of hop character. I really do feel like this is one of those that if you had it and then you had friends over and there's one of those people who's like, well, I'm really more of a wine drinker. I don't really do beer. You could give them a glass of this and I have a feeling that they would probably be okay with it. I think so. I think that uh, judging from how I was watching us consume it, this 5.5 is actually, Carlos, you ready for it? Pretty crushable. (laughs) If you wanted to drink this fast, you you, you could. It's it's pleasant. Yeah. It's... um, it's refreshing. It's yeah. cr- it's crisp, and it's not. And the balance is good. We talked about balance yeah, in, the, yeah, in yeah. the last episode. It's it, the the fruit to kind of malt. If if you if, did you get any malt at all? Not really. That's what I'm saying. When I drink it's like it, a cider it's like almost. Yeah, yeah. That, right. The apple quality kind of brings it into the cider realm. Yeah. But but it's really. If I was just, I, I almost wish we had done this blindfolded or something without telling me <laughs> what it was because I feel like if somebody just handed this to me and said, "Here, take a sip of this." I would have said, well, I might have said wine or cider. I might have been like, oh, yeah. I would have been like, like, oh, which Austin East Ciders is this? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I, I enjoyed it. And that, that, it called, that you can call it a beer makes me feel macho. 
uh, it was a little too sweet for my taste. It was, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It definitely has. It is sweet. Has You're some right. Sweetness to Which it. you know is coming from the biggest pastry boy out there. I love a pastry stout. Yeah, like but but you want it in that. You, you know? want it in a but, in a roastier, uh, yeah. darker context. You want to cleanse your palate with this in the second half of the episode with something with a little more. Stout, perhaps a little bolder. Well, bolder. I I think I have something on deck. All right, and And uh, a companion movie, the likes of which we have never done before. Well, we're going back to classical Hollywood and and pre-code classical Hollywood. I think this is the oldest film we've ever reviewed. I I think you're right, and looking uh, forward to it. We'll be back. <laughs> we are going to uh, get get ourselves into a little discussion on a film that I think has a lot of similar themes and uh, and elements to the Ready or Not film that we just talked about in the first half. Um, that being a, a rather older sort of uh, classical Hollywood film from the pre-code era, and we'll talk about all that in a second. But before we get there, I have a beer that I think kind of fits with both films in a certain sense. It is from Evil Twin Brewing, which I believe we, we have, have had. We have. Yes. What was the, was it a wedding cake? I think so, yeah. right? Give me, give me a second. And I'll we talked you. about that it did not have the cakey elements yeah. that we wanted it to, even though we enjoyed it. <laughs> if you say there's cake in this beer, I'm not right. tasting any cake. Yeah, and like the donut one. Too. This one is not claiming anything about uh, cake's presence, but it is another huge imperial stout. In fact, it is called Big Ass Money Stout. And uh, the, the description says, two old friends and brewers decided to go crazy together once again. This time they met stateside to brew a rich, over-the-top and unique stout guaranteed to impact your taste buds. This big-ass stout contains two essential ingredients <laughs> that unite Stavanger in New York. Uh, and uh, it's, like I said, Evil Twin, and it's with Westbrook Brewing, which I think maybe we had a collaboration of theirs at some point. They're out of South Carolina. Um and, and I just thought with the money element, right, this class theme, uh, people of uh, a higher class preying upon Damn. those of lower classes. Is that Evil Twin? Yes. Back in uh, episode 34, we enjoyed their quadruple barrel Big Bad Baptist and also the Big Bad Baptista. All right. Was that Evil Twin? I think said Epic. Fuck no, 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 no. Evil twin. Evil twin. Shit out. Edit all Start over. Do we know why there's pizza on this? That's what I was trying to figure out. I Dang. hadn't even thought. You didn't. You didn't mention the ABV on this thing. Oh yeah, no. This is this is a Carlos special. <laughs> it's seventeen point two percent. Oh, thank you, David. <laughs> Big ass money stout. Well, I get it. Come on, if you're if you're rolling in dough, you're gonna be able to put together the malt bill that you'd need to uh, to get that kind of ABV. Yeah, that's serious business right there. That is black as midnight, and uh, it has some staying power there. It is Ooh. clinging to the sides of the glass. Now, what is the pizza tie-in? There are pizza that's slices what, that's, on the can. That's what we were trying to figure out. I didn't look into that before. Before God, that is a boozy odor. That's Ooh. a boozy aroma. <laughs> I use aroma because odor sounds negative, and I don't mean that in any negative way. Yeah, yeah. Good God! <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I gotta drop. Okay, in wait, 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 wait. Okay, this is a this is a significant thing. They're talking about people. I don't know. Okay. 
shit. Back in episode 43, while you looked that up, we're talking about Evil Twin Brewing. They did a co- collab with uh, Westbrook Brewing. That's that Imperial Wedding Cake break. That you well, this is also about. with Westbrook. Yeah. I mean, they did, or they brewed it at Westbrook. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was it was called Wedding Cake Break? I'm not tasting oh, any pizza, guys. No pizza. Also, did y'all see Nuasis put pizza on a michelada as like a garnish? Oh, yeah. I think, have you not been doing that when you've been there? That's a new thing. Oh, okay. I mean, I only worked the one Sunday, but uh, yeah, that's new as far as I know. Okay. They're saying that this was actually brewed with pizza and money. Yes. <laughs> pizza and money. Uh, yeah. It's so Evil Twins, Wait, Yepa. What? Ask Norwegian Brewery for local ingredient ideas. Apparently, Norwegians are all really into... I'm reading from a paste article on this. Uh, really into frozen pizza brand named Grandiosa, and many of them are flush with cash. Thus, a pizza and money beer was born. The frozen ham pizza is added in with the boil, and the money is added after fermentation, similar to how you might dry hop an IPA. So, like, bills Holy or coins? I had no... I, I mean, I must... Wow. There's no way that's real. They didn't. They didn't put dollar bills into the. Cattle. I don't know, man, <laughs> or or Norwegian money. I mean, whatever, whatever. They're uh, well, are they on the euro? I don't know. I think so, but even still, there's no way. I mean, I totally think it's it's possible that they put the frozen pizza in there. I mean, that that's something that a brewer would do. <sighs> so stupid. Um, <laughs> That's so dumb. Yeah. No, it's not. It's so much fun. All right, but they're like, that's what they're claiming. Why, so you know why not? See if see if we get some notes of frozen pizza and uh, money. There's a pepperoni on the nose. <laughs> All right, getting so. mozzarella in the finish. <laughs> so as we are sipping on this rather strange beer, <laughs> that a strange brew, a strange brew, it's tripping my marinara gland. Um, <laughs> All right, go ahead. Let, let's talk about most dangerous game. The most dangerous game, a movie I'd never even heard of, David. Wow. Oh, it's interesting you never heard of it because I, oh man, what was I doing? I was, for some strange reason, I was, oh, um, Kylie had a, she went to do the um, paddleboard yoga thing. Oh, it nice. was uh, Yeah, stand-up paddleboard? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was part of some larger event that was uh, somebody was putting on, and she went for, you mm-hmm. know, the Ben purposes or whatever. Uh, didn't know she was going to do that. I ended up getting home way before her, and I was like, you know what? Uh, what can I watch? You know, I don't want to watch something we're watching together, but I don't want to start a new show because I'm not home alone very often to do that. Right. And so I was like, oh, you know, I was looking through, and I saw Zodiac. Uh-huh. Never seen him before. Fincher. Uh, yeah, until like a week or two ago. So I put it on. I started watching. I was like, man, it's really good. And she came home and was like, oh, are you watching Zodiac? And I was like, yeah. She was like, I still can't believe you've never seen this. And I was like, well, I'm watching it now. And so she sat down and we watched it together. This movie that we're about to discuss is directly referenced in that movie as a possible motivation for the Zodiac killer's uh, crimes that right. you know he views as the, the guy, human race. as the guy in the film does, uh-huh. humanity is the most dangerous game, the most exciting game to hunt. And mm-hmm. they uh, hypothesize that that's why he's doing it is because he grew bored with that's with other things, okay. and now and now you know, here's the opportunity to because he's doing like a lot of stuff. And I was like, oh, the most dangerous game. That sounds interesting. And then David was like, hey, we should do this. And I was like, wait a second, that sounds familiar. Yeah, and that was why. Yeah, and uh, so we're going yeah. back in time so much now, where you where where these films, and this is a much beloved film i learned since since you suggested us watching it there's a lot to discuss about not before we even get into the plot and the characters like the film itself and the era that it was built that it was uh filmed in yeah yeah it so 1932 (laughs) is when this film arrives um made by rko one one of those early studios 
And this was a film made in what's referred to as the pre-code era. And when I say that, it's referring to the Hayes Code, um, which was a code put together by Hollywood. I think Carlos is a he, he helped write the Hayes Code. <laughs> yeah, right. I should have. to the Hayes. Jeez, why didn't we have a Hazy here? Yeah, uh, but no. This was Will Hayes, who was the guy who was tasked with with heading up this uh, office. The that the Motion Picture Association of America had put together to sort of enforce this motion picture production code where there were certain criteria that A they silly Americans place. had already begun complaining about content right. in film? Well, and it was in particular religious groups. I believe oh, there was the Catholic usually the, That's usually yeah. the culprits. That religious groups <laughs> trying to monitor art. I don't want to see boobies, so no one else should be able to either. He said, right. damn... Right. Gotta find him. So they, they had put this in place kind of as a preventative measure to say, like, well, we don't want the government stepping in and forcing us to keep certain things out. So if we as an industry kind of police ourselves, right. then we'll avoid that. So they put together this office. They had Will Hayes there. And they came up with this list of things. Now, this was around 1930 that they actually put it in place. And you'd say, well, this was 1932. Didn't they have the code? And everything was... Yes, but they were not really strictly enforcing it at that point. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a period between 1930, 1934 that... Like a voluntary following of this new... Right, that there were... that. Well, that there were these things in place that they weren't supposed to be doing, but that many films kind of skirted around mm -hmm. and included elements of, and a lot of. Will I will I catch you off guard if I ask what were some of the content structure that they were trying to prevent the general audience from being able to see without a stamp or a warning or a rating? Right, um, probably a nipple. <laughs> but in 1932, you didn't see much of nipples on screen. No, but there's a lot around, like, you know, people... Well, there was some nudity prior to this, um, but but minor. Mm -hmm. uh, the aftermath of sexual activity, you weren't supposed to be showing, like, showing people get pregnant. Oh, showing yeah. them after. Okay. You shouldn't Dick show Van that. Dyke, twin beds. and Really, the, anything that. that could be construed as sexual was kind of, you know, so they had... Fun. That's the whole, if anybody who's a... Uh, lover of older films, films of the 30s, when characters, instead of going to bed together, light up cigarettes together. That was sort of a way of showing us Surrogate. on screen. Right? Yeah. Um, cer certain things around violence, obviously, the uh -huh. depiction of violence, um, the portrayal of religion, that it needed to be shown in a, in a mostly positive wholesome, light, yeah. wholesome, the use of drugs, right? That that was a problem in, in films. Um, and remember, this was also like kind of around the time of prohibition as well. Right. So like yeah. the level of drinking, which this film has the most dangerous game has plenty of drinking, right? right. But it's also now, not in America. No, they're right. on this island, and yeah, right. right? So they, so there are some ways that maybe they. Now can, this is pre-code, meaning that these filmmakers did not really follow those rules too strictly. Because well, they were, didn't exist yet. Well, they did exist. They just weren't being enforced. Um, so, so the, a film like this could still get see, released. So there is violence. There is drinking. Right. There is sexuality only in the sense of some light, like hugging yeah. and flirting. Yeah, and and also the the wardrobe. There's some uh -huh. points where they're a little more exposed yeah. than films would allow them to be. Just a few years later. So, right. so it exists in this period where some of these things were being very loosely interpreted, mm -hmm. and eventually, because there was backlash against other films, including this one, that they started tightening it, and the code really did get enforced after 1934. So, right. So th so this is in this period where we could be a little bit more, uh, you know, salacious, I guess, in some ways. Um, but a film that's very 
you know, as Joe's already kind of set up, it, it's it's playing around with some dark themes. This idea that you, if you're a hunter, right? If you're if you're a, if you're a, a sport hunter, if you're somebody who's going after um, killing the most hard to kill animals on the planet, you've graduated from dove and deer. Who are you gonna like? What is that animal mm-hmm. that's going to be the most? dangerous or the, or the hardest to hunt you it's want to be. act like a jaguar yeah <laughs> i will hunt you like a jaguar <laughs> it, i love it's that gonna guy. Be, man yeah so so you guys enjoyed this film yeah. huh? well, we should go there's well, no. we should go into the plot just a tad sure before yeah, yeah, we yeah. get into we it haven't hit the plot yet. yeah right <laughs> yeah so so you know we you start got, off and we're on this uh ship where a yacht, uh, a yacht dare i where, say yes we're we're a very famous gamesman hunter mm-hmm. writes um, books about the topic right is is, uh, is aboard and it's his ship and they are navigating some waters where things aren't quite as they think they should be on uh-huh. the map and why are these uh, what, like these markers lit, out the, lit buoys yes uh-huh. lit boys out in uh, the sea why are they you not you say lit boys uh-huh. lit boys yeah, right. we're about to be a bunch of lit boys after <laughs> I think we should change the name of the podcast and, and, and they <laughs> and they end up having a shipwreck right because they're actually kind of led into this uh, rocky coastline disaster of an island mm-hmm. that is inhabited by a very rich, very wealthy, <laughs> Russian um, count. big game hunter himself. I love the era of films where there's like where counts are a thing. Sure, like mm. what is what is that? Uh, it, it's, it's a part of the aristocracy yeah, of uh, aristocratic different countries in our own. Yeah. I mean, there are counts still now. We, really? We, we, yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. counts out count there. Count Chocula. <laughs> uh, the count. <laughs> one. Right. Right. One shipwreck. Um, and then you Two know, so, so the our our big game hunter, uh, who I'm I'm losing it, is it Bob Bob Rainsford? Yes, uh, who's played by Joel McRae. Right, he's one of the survivors. He's able the to, only survivor. Right, he's able to get onto the island and is brought to this mm-hmm. house and sort of assured that he's going to be helped along, but finds out pretty quickly that uh, in fact he's not going to be helped. He is going to be hunted himself. Right. Yes. Right. Right, because the uh, resident is uh, a hunter. Yes, mm-hmm. who has hunted every bit of game possible in the world, and has grown bored. And he's bored with it. He is. He is. He has succeeded the lion and the jaguar and the elephant, and now right. he needs to hunt for his own uh, being able to pursue his hobby to the next level. The most dangerous game. He has he has this like perfectly manicured goatee mm-hmm. and like perfectly slicked back haircut yeah. mm-hmm. that I just love. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. It, it, it just, it, it's such a look. It is stereotype. It is over the top performance. It is everything that you would have expected back then. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like very Anton LaVey almost. One yeah. or two, one decade, two decades past the twirling mustache guy that's tying a girl to the we're, train tracks. We're watching early <laughs> evolution of, Amer- of American filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. Where where the villains and these days the the commentary is what what socially acceptable ethnic villain can we have but back then it was the the, the russian count who's out for yeah yeah anyone from like a soviet bloc or yeah. well i guess this was yeah. pre that maybe a little bit but no uh, this was soviet this was soviet era what but like were like the red bloc states a thing in the 30s oh i don't know 
I don't yeah. know if that happened until after. But well, it's not a Russian history lesson, so yes. anyway. uh, yeah. So, but you've got these perfectly melodramatic characters. The yeah. damsel in distress is also there because her ship had been shipwrecked along with prior. her brothers uh, prior to, with the same ruse that he has created to get people onto his island in order to create a, a game field. Basically, right. and I I like that she's the one that catches on to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that part where. She well, it's was... not a hard thing to catch on to. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, you have. There were five of us shipwrecked, and now there are only two of us. So yeah. the, the other three, you know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you have her brother who seems like totally chill with it as long as like there's still vodka mm-hmm. to well, go around. I was going to say, and, he's, yeah. he's just being supplied with an endless... Uh, he's the, then, the most uh, stereotypical bad drunk yeah. that you can imagine. Yeah, and he, yeah. He's, he's funny. He's acting drunk. He should have gotten drunk and then just read the lines yeah. rather than what might have happened. But uh, then, He but probably then, did, probably. actually. <laughs> but then you had the games... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like so over the top. Yeah. But yeah. then you had the gamesmen, uh, our like you know main character that we're following from the very beginning, right. who is just like, I'm a distinguished gentleman. He's a distinguished gentleman. He must be telling the truth. Woman, right, you right. are insane. And, uh-huh. yeah. and she's like, dude, you're fucking stupid. Come like, on, wake you up. Know, and you know, I, right. I, I don't well, know. It's he, just very he interesting. flatters him though, right? I mean, he reads his books. He's yeah. you know, yeah, so that he's real up his ass the whole time. Yes. So that so there is this kind of. Uh, you know, I recognize in you what what's in me, and you know, like, and in fact, he seems to think he's going to maybe more than any of his other, uh, you know, uh, um, prey in the past, going to buy into it and like appreciate what and he's join doing. him in yes. this thing. It, and it's 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 interesting that because that's kind of a trope that uh, continues throughout storytelling. That it's like you have a depraved like mad person who mm-hmm. thinks they can convince somebody else like no i'm right like you you're like me too right yeah. like just wanting you know uh and I, I don't think i've ever seen anything this early in film that has that i feel like there's other examples that i'm i hadn't really thought about until this exact moment so i wasn't prepared but huh. yeah. it seems like a thing that it, especially in horror movies and stuff yeah which i know this technically isn't one but um no but it's got elements i mean suspense. it's it's definitely i mean I don't any, think horror was a thing or i guess Nosferatu no it was it was yeah. there were yeah there, there were horror films i mean it, it, it was an emerging genre that that was taking place but yeah i mean this this isn't straight up horror yeah um, this is more in the hitchcockian kind of yeah like suspense yeah a little more thriller. a little more fanciful than your typical hitchcock yeah. film but yes I, it's suspenseful uh, yeah. absolutely i mean it, it is interesting though i mean i watching this again i had seen it a long time ago this was actually one of the first criterion uh films that i remember seeing oh, like really? years ago it was it was one of those early um at least dvd criterion releases not laserdisc it might have been, but I'm just saying I didn't have Laserdisc. So when I when I was watching some of those early Criterion mm-hmm. films, this was one of those uh, early on, and I remember renting it at the video store wow. and um, and and kind of knowing just because Criterion had picked it that it was something yeah. worth watching or whatever, and really going back to it and kind of thinking about it in light of this film and thinking about. this film being ready or not thinking about stylistically what's kind of shifted in the time period from 1932 to now 2019 Mm -hmm. and you know especially something like acting styles oh yeah and how that's changed over time right Right. i mean like over the the top we've already kind of talked yes there is like a hammy it's it's more theatrical Uh right i mean there is kind of like oh you're right there's this really and this is you got to think this is just maybe two or three years after sound films have really taken hold right in the sense that 
this is expected of it. Right. And everything is an experiment. Right. Everything that we're doing right now is what is the audience going to react to? Yeah. And so <clears throat> what they're used to and what we can perform is the Russian count that's over the top. Right. And right. the drunk that's over the top. Right. And the uh, damsel in distress who is a damsel in distress. Without yeah. without a strong man to help her, she will surely, pay, uh, surely be in peril. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the... Uh, the hunted Joel McRae mm-hmm. is got his one too many buttons undone so that you can see his masculine <laughs> chest and right. he's been through a uh, no I guess he was after the shipwreck and swam to shore they gave him a change of clothes I was yeah. gonna say perfectly you know quaffed perfectly right. yeah. dressed uh, but it's not it, the film is only an hour two and I made a point of that David and then you we were chatting online yeah. about the what we were you know, our plans here and you came back and said that was after some. I'd like for you to get into that in a little while, but since it's, the film's only an hour and two minutes, right. God dang, certainly a lot happens in a that lot. hour yeah. and two minutes. Yeah. And it's not too long before he is captured, he will be the hunted, the brother is dead, the the, the Fay Ray, as of course we'll see her, we haven't even talked about the uh, association with King Kong of this right. movie, which we'll get to in a second, I'm sure. Fay Ray and him are on the run and must survive until sunrise in a gentleman's agreement where they will be allowed <laughs> to uh, escape the island or leave the island uh, right. to their own safety Very if they can just... To ready or not. Yeah. 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 Stay alive till uh, daybreak. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it it's funny to see that kind of thing pulled off in this setting where what I was saying uh, earlier offline or online, uh, but, but off the podcast about it being cut down to this, apparently there was a longer cut of the film that they actually test screen. I can only imagine there would have been. Well, it's where he sees like that chamber of his trophies and stuff. Right. That was much more graphic. Apparently okay. there were a lot more sort of like, well, explain, well, just like corpses and stuff. Yes, exactly. Right. Like some of his former kills right. were being... He has dis- collected the corpses of the people that he has hunted right. in order to scare and motivate the next round of game. Right. Because it, the idea being, well, if he sends... People found this so unbelievable that if he was to just send them out there I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. They're like, oh, you must be kidding. There's no way you're going to come after... And then he'd just be able to shoot them because they weren't trying to hide from him. But if he shows them a chamber... Where there are dead his, bodies, his and previous they, right, like room, yeah. essentially, yeah, uh, taxidermied uh, humans or uh-huh. whatever, that he will be able to motivate them. If to you can out. stay alive until sunrise, you will not join. The also, game. sunrise is four in the morning in this movie. Is, is I, I, they keep looking at their watch, and when he like looks at it, it says four. Huh. Well, they're over there in some exotic location that uh, we yeah, Americans th- will th- never get to see. This is before uh, daylight savings. <laughs> but, but yes, it, it's so so. Apparently, there was a much more extended sequence there that was much more graphic with with some of these trophies that right. he had kept, and uh, and and so they cut that down. I think it was still only maybe like another eight to ten minutes. Sure, but okay, it was a longer film at one time. Before I, I was reminded of Predator. Uh, how Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't have very many resources, so he creates similar things, branches and trees that will yeah. fall and can yeah. potentially kill the predator animal who's much more armed than he right. is. He's outmatched as far as armory. Uh, he does that just too. <laughs> I mean, it's such a simple film. All right, here's our plan. We're going to have, have a log fall on the guy yeah. if he doesn't see the tripwire. And, of course, he's a master hunter as well, so he does see the tripwire. Okay, here's our last chance. We've got to... 
cover this chasm with a makeshift uh, land-looking thing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, the hunter outwits him there. So then it just comes down to... Oh, and then you also got the classic thing where the rules change only for the benefit of the elite, the aristocrat. So um, go get better guns, go get uh, more men, release the hounds, which the the hounds are literally released. And you have the best scene of all where Joel McRae is fighting a rubber dog. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) know? Yeah. But, uh, but the film, it was so enjoyable. And that shipwreck scene was really well done for the time that it was. Honestly, Everything was really well done. The, the effects, you mean? Well, yeah. and it, it gives you know it, going back to what I was saying, where you're you know contrasting this with something from 2019. Th- these films that s- so clearly take place on sets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like they, uh-huh. these aren't like existing locales that they're you know this is in a studio. They're setting up these things, a tank for like, the ocean. But there was yeah. still such amazing set design that was going mm-hmm. on, practical production effects. design practical that was going effects, on. Yeah. That you really, I think, when you go back to some of these films from the 20s, from the 30s, and you see the amount of, or if you think about it, right, and you think about the amount of work that went into putting these things together, what it make, what it takes to make this um, estate that this count lives uh-huh. in, in this, uh, to, to make it imposing and kind of um, gothic and strange and just, I mean, it's really pretty astounding. It's, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful thing. And, like, I feel like, Nowadays, I mean, obviously, we can do a lot with computer uh, graphics. We we can do a lot with computer generated imagery. We can do a lot with um, well, with the, with the sets that we can build sure. too. But I feel like sometimes, especially when I compare it with these kind of films, there maybe isn't the same level of creativity going into yeah. what we do. There, a guy there's in a green about, suit on a green set. Yeah. yeah, there's something about the kind of stock nature of what goes on now that doesn't quite match what we were doing when we had to be a little more inventive ourselves to kind of get that thing across with more practical set design you know it's like the same thing with um uh john carpenter's the thing which really wasn't even that long ago you know like 82 or 3 or something like that but everything that happens in that movie it's practical it's practical and i mean and, and all of his movies really but that one because it's so um much more removed from reality right. in terms of like the monstrosity of the right. thing and all that kind of stuff it holds up you mm-hmm. know like that stuff does it stuff ages really well because of that reason but then you go watch you know something like lawnmower man that has computerized effects but in 96 or whatever it was You're didn't immediately... age you know it doesn't right. age as well right uh, yeah and there's definitely you know um merit to, there's very few movies that rely more on digital effects that age well. Like Jurassic Park is one that I can think of. You you, uh, you do not think that it ages well. It, Jurassic Park ages very well, but uh-huh. it's a very very notable exception to the rule. Okay, you know yeah, what I, I agree mean? with you. Um, and even like the the last Spider Man versus Tobey Maguire Spider Man, you can see the seams yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, and and that's and that's a little you know, bit in the Matrix too, but not too bad. A little bit, but that's why something like this still is going to hold up. You know, yeah. even though you can tell, you but know, you, you have to forgive. But you do have to forgive. You do have to put you. I have to do this with these kinds of films. Citizen Kane is an exception because uh, it's all it's basically performance based. It's um. 
you have to forgive the idea that it was shot in 1932. You have to forgive those over-the-top performances. You have to forgive the uh, uh, the, the, the the Russian. Were they Russian? I can't. The henchman. Yeah. Uh, he is a mute. Uh, he is dumb. He's dumb. Yeah. He's right. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. is. Yeah. Whatever. Like you have to forgive the the caricature and the uh, yeah, actually, basicness of it all. Yeah. To just enjoy yourself in the story. Right. Right. Yeah. That that's actually one of the interesting characters in there. I'm trying to remember. Um, shoot. That was okay. Ivan. Right. Noble Johnson uh-huh. was the actor. R- kind of an interesting little side note there. That guy was one of the first sort of African-American actors who found some success on screen playing whiteface, essentially. Like, was oh, able he, was to play, make, he was made up. Right. To, to hide to, his African-American. Right. To Interesting. play a Russian, or, wow. you know, yeah. How, how odd. Yeah. yeah I, didn't, I didn't realize that. At Central Casting, they would have right. had someone that you wouldn't have had to gone to that length with. But that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Good for him. Yeah. So, the, so the, it, one, one of those kind of interesting little footnotes in there. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it is. I think I, w- I wish I got the opportunity more often to go back to some of these films. I, you know, it wasn't, it was just a couple weeks ago. I went to go see actually a silent film uh-huh. at the Alamo Draft House, uh-huh. uh, Steamboat, Steamboat Bill, Bill Jr., which was a Buster Keaton film, a right. comedy. Well, and year of release, 28? Uh, I think so. Okay, think so around right. there? Yeah. And so towards the end of the silent era, uh-huh. but still silent. And it was just, it was wonderful to be kind of transported back. Now those, I mean, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, those those guys who were like these physical comedians uh-huh. who do this stuff. It holds up. It does. It does. And you see it and you think that, but there are things about the, th- those films that we don't see as much now. We, do, we don't see it like, because we don't need our comedians to do those things anymore now. We can do it through CGI. We can do it through all, all this other stuff. We don't need them. We can them do it through profanity. Put, we can do it through. Yeah, we, we don't need them to put their bodies in physical peril in the uh-huh. same way that we once did. But when you see it, it's like there is something really there. And it's similar with this, where you see. And they're it, stretching the limits of what they had at that point. Right. I mean, those right. are creative geniuses in the right. sense of, okay, this is the medium that I have. There is no sound, it is just physical, mm-hmm. it is just visual. I'll need to do something exceptional to become a star, to yeah. become a success. And now it's all performance. Yeah. Well, it was then the two, but... In a different way, yeah. It's, yeah. it's all attitude. It's all... Right. And it, and another thing, you know, to we've talked about the sets here, and, and, and yeah. uh, it's worth noting, this was shot pretty much simultaneously with King Kong. I love that movie. Um, which came out just a year later. I love that movie. But because it had more sort of post-production work that needed to be done with it. But it was... Two, two stars from King Kong, same set. Right, Fay Ray, mm-hmm. Robert Armstrong. And we have those, um, that, you know, that same kind of like sense of exotic locale, uh-huh. this jungle setting, these, you know, people kind of uh, in peril in this way that they don't really know how to deal with. It, 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 was, a, it was an interesting era in filmmaking where you were having to find multiple purposes to be able to justify the expense of putting this stuff right. sort of thing together. Yeah. Yeah. Good pick, David. Thank you. Well, thanks. I mean, and the beer. 
Yeah, and I, and I think oh, we're not there yet. Sorry. Well, no, <laughs> almost, I, I, almost. We we will talk about that beer in just a second. But but I do think it's interesting because this really you know this idea of the human being hunted. Oh, it was a great pairing. Way. Yeah, it, it, and we've seen other films do it since, but but this is really kind of the birth of that in uh-huh. in film, and and to see that we can still do that in 2019 and have it um, resonate in a way, at least for us. And, and going and back I, in time, that was probably a horrific concept to put. Like, if you're a movie, it's goer, horrific now for me. Movie, but for if sure, you're a yeah. movie goer, yeah. But think about the pomp and the circumstance and the gore and the. The, the the creativity of the kills required mm-hmm. to get a reaction out of you, but back then this is just a new a, a, a new concept to see on this newer visual medium of right. film. Yeah, it's love stories. It's uh, uh, the, the you know the biggest spectacles were like a Cleopatra kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's historical projections. Right. This is humans killing humans for sport. That right. would have been landmarkly. Yeah. It's controversial. Dark. At it's the dark. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We've come a long way. So speaking of darkness, <laughs> you're just waiting for a better segue than mine. No, that's all right. Uh, but that, that was one dark ass beer. <laughs> it's dark. Big oh my ass god. Money stout. Big ass money stout. Evil Twin Brewing is uh, collaborating with. Is that Lervig? L- yeah, Lervig. Okay. L- Lervig. What'd, it, you, what'd you think? Wait, I thought it was. No, it was brewed at Westbrook. Okay. What is Lervig? But, but the collaborators, the brewers, were actually Evil Twin and Lervig. That's what uh, I thought. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Which, well, it poured black as midnight. That was a glass of motor oil as far as consistency goes. That was a delicious damn beer. That 17.2 was on the nose, but it was hidden in the flavor, if I may say. They got me, though. Yeah. I'm feeling a little... <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's crept up on me a little I, bit. I, I'm, I'm glad that there's no uh, count in the room who's going to force oh, me to go out into no, the jungle. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not fair game right now. I, yeah. Look at that. I'd be at the piano. Yeah. What are you showing us, Carlos? The it's viscosity sticking. of the. It's, I mean, I I cleared my fu- glass, but you can still the see the final drops. The yeah, you'll never clear that glass. I, I mean, one... you're gonna have to take a Brillo pad to this thing. <laughs> I've yeah. got the, one yeah. critical question for you. Did you taste the pizza? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. I did not. I did not. No, I didn't. That, that's it. a novel. I, I did I, taste the money though. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> it was a little Abe Lincoln-y. Yeah. I mean, the, the, w- when you're thinking about, uh, you know, these adjuncts, of beer, I mean, I, I think it's almost their way of of putting up the middle finger, in a sense, yeah. to the idea of, of adjuncts. Because when Ooh. you are loading something this much with that kind of roasted malt, sure. what other flavors are going to come through? I believe they made a beautiful beer and then added some stupid shit to it to, to do the middle yeah. finger. I think that you're right. But at the same point, that 17.2, we have had beers where it's like that 120 IPA by Dogfish. We all yeah. kind of said, that's just a big that's just a big glass of booze. And it was at 18. This it is, was 15 to 20. We don't know exactly. I took my last swig of this and then took a few breaths through my mouth because I'm a little congested right now. The allergy season is upon us. And upon doing that, I got a lot of coffee on the back of my tongue when yeah. I was, um, just in doing that. But it, uh, fuck, this is so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's such no, I wish a I good had beer. Three more cans of that. I, I would. I take the, I taste. Did you only get one? Yeah, that, that that was an expensive one, I think. Well, you know, oh, okay. it's 17%. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be that way. So. Yeah, you know, what can you do? Very it's nice. fun stuff, though. I'm Lervig, glad. Evil Twin, you guys did a great job. Yes. 
thick, thick, thick stout. A, a, a good, a good antidote to our rosé. Yes, our rosé ale. Just bringing us to the, the other end of the spectrum. Episode more than uh, three times the ABV. What a delightful episode! Yeah, it was good. Um, what did you think about Ready or Not? Did you agree with our um, glowing, I would say, review of it? Uh, have you had this particular beer? And what did you think of it? Let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer in a Movie, and Facebook.com slash Beer in a Movie TX. As always, Beer in a Movie Podcast.com is our home base. You can find a link to listen to this episode and all of our previous episodes for free on that website. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. When you subscribe, that helps you stay abreast about all the new episodes and all that kind of stuff that's going on. Uh, you'll be the first to know. And if you rate and review us, that helps us to know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we could be, we could be doing better. What do you want to see us do that we haven't done before? We're always trying to, uh, you know, broaden, innovate. Yeah, innovate, broaden our horizons, do new fun things with new fun movies and interesting beers and what have you. Um, got some fun stuff coming up in uh, the next like month or two as far as episodes go. Um, and we're getting into Oscar season territory, That's so right. st- uh, buckle in, folks, because it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna get uh, it's gonna get something. It's gonna get, it's gonna get heavy. <laughs> it's gonna get it's gonna be a wild ride. You are throughout. You the, are uh, feeling it, man. You know uh, that beer was seventeen and some change percent. You know, uh, sue me. Uh, but until next time I will hunt you like a jaguar (laughs) (laughs) 